Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 222. It is brought to you this week by our sponsors, Luna Display, Squarespace, and Simple Contacts. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined on one side by my co-host, Federico Vitici. Federico, how are you? Uh, hi, Stephen. I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm excited to be with you all today. And on the other side, I'm joined by Mike Hurley. Hello. I, I was thinking about this, like where... Uh, like if one of you on each side of me, but when we do live shows, Mike's always in the middle and I'm on the end and Federico's on the other end. I was just thinking that exact same thing. You planted that thought into my brain. I was actually thinking the opposite. Like what if instead of being on the sides, we're up and down? Uh, like mm. what, what kind of dimensions are we looking yeah. at here? I think I'm always in the middle, I think. I feel like that, yeah. that, mm. make, that, that just like works. Well, because we've done it mm. every time now. Like I sit in the middle. Even when we recorded in an Airbnb, I was in the middle. You were, but you two were on the opposite sides when we recorded. It is, the it is odd episode. how that how that has worked out. Maybe it's because we do often do ungenious. So you and I are like already next to each other. Then Federico comes in. You know, just uh, I don't know. Next time you see us live, uh, take note of where we're sitting, and if it's changed, let us know. Well, I think it's a holdover from me being the like introducer, mm-hmm. right? But now it's just it's just the way it is. It's the it's that Mike energy, and everybody wants a piece of yep. that. The chat room says it's because Mike is in the middle geographically, but that is all dependent on how you're looking at the map. It depends where you start, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's a matter of perspective, really, more than anything else. You know that, um, speaking of uh, geography, that um, most people in Italy have discovered over the past couple of weeks the existence of flat earthers, uh, thanks to a television program that did like a series on these people, and like everybody's talking about them now, and it's very funny because I (laughs) I get approached by um, like my mom or like my girlfriend's sister everybody's like did you know that these people exist you know like Hmm. yeah i'm familiar with them thanks to youtube (laughs) i would like if people are interested in learning more about that flat earth societies they should uh, listen to episode 13 of the ungenious podcast there you go when me and steven get into it and steven so quick behind the scenes Stephen writes most of Ungenius, and he tends to write me as if I am a conspiracy theorist. So, uh, <laughs> in that episode, I am I am kind of a flat earther. So you've got that going for you if you want to hear what that's like. You, you also doubted the lunar landings, I believe. Yep, moon landing. Yep, there was one more, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't remember what the last one was. The flat earthers found our email address, though. That was exciting. They did. They oh, did. No. Oh no. <laughs> We're going to move uh, right into talking about things we've already talked about in a segment we call follow-up. We spoke now two episodes ago, three episodes, I don't know, time. I was going to say time is a flat circle, but that's a terrible... Time time is a flat earth. Time is a flat (laughs) earth. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) Don't go there. Federico, you talked about how you're accessing the files on your Mac Mini uh, yes. re- remotely, and I, I didn't talk about that. And then I, I sort of realized this like, this week, it like popped in my brain that I don't I don't need had that need very often because the majority of like my working files are on Dropbox. But when I did need it, I was using back to my Mac, which is now gone in Mac uh, Mac OS Mojave. Back to my Mac is no more. You just stumbled, nearly stumbled on something that I can't believe we have not thought of before which is mac moes mojave that sounds so good like why have we not been doing this the whole time <laughs> mac moes mojave i love it that is good 
That's what we'll go with now. Thank you. Not uh, So I had, again, this thought at some point and realized that I needed a new way to do this. And I didn't want to do uh, what Federico had done. We're going to talk about what you've changed here in a second. But yeah. uh, opening up SMB sharing on like a Comcast connection, like Comcast actually doesn't let you do it. You got to kind of jump through some hoops. And I really didn't want to go that route anyways. And so what I'm using is Screens and Screens Connect, which is this really nice remote management app. It runs on macOS and iOS. And Screens Connect is this little program. It used to be a system preference pane, and now it sits in the menu bar, which I preferred it as a system preference pane so it wasn't in my face all the time. But it runs on the back in the background, and it basically acts as a conduit. So if I'm on my iPad somewhere else, or if I'm on my MacBook Pro somewhere else, I need to get into my Mac Mini. I can just open Screens, Screens Connect, figures out where I am, where the other computer is, and lets me in. So there's no port forwarding. There's no like router configuration. You basically just turn on Screens Connect, and at least with the uh, like my home network setup, it just, it just works really nicely. And so I have screens connect running on my iMac pro and my Mac mini, and I just made a Dropbox folder. I named it bridge just because it seemed clever. And that's the only Dropbox folder I sync to the Mac mini. And so if I need, and I'm telling you, I've done this like three times in the last probably two years. This is very rare for me, but if I need something, I can just remote into the Mac mini, find it on my Drobo, Put it in the Dropbox folder and let Dropbox sync it to me, and not have oh, to deal with nice. like transferring files directly directly over my connection. And I've been uh, at least in testing, really happy with it. And in nine months, when this need comes up again, I'll let you know how it works. It was a, a, a time for me to reevaluate Screens and Screens Connect, and it's always been an impressive application. Version four is really nice, and uh, it's it's a good alternative if you don't want to deal with like port forwarding and stuff. Uh, but Federica, you have changed how you're accessing your Mac Mini from the internet. So what are you doing? Yes, I turned off SMB sharing after uh, feedback that I was sent by some kind connected listeners. And I'm now using just SSH and SFTP, which is encrypted and preferable to SMB. People sending you pictures of your file system. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, look. <laughs> Thankfully, it hasn't happened. <laughs> okay. I, also adopted, I also adopted a longer and more complex password, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I thought was going to be annoying. But actually, thanks to the Apple Watch unlocking system, uh, when I'm at home, I just need to press the space bar on the Magic Keyboard and the Mac, and the Mac Mini unlocks, mm-hmm. thanks to the Apple Watch. You don't get this, Michael, because you don't wear an Apple Watch anymore. So You don't know mm, what you I go. get. Uh, well, are you wearing two watches? No. <laughs> <laughs> so. Maybe I should like set up a fake arm and just put the Apple Watch on it next to my Mac. Sure. And then I sure. could just tap Nothing. it. That's 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 not creepy at all. But I could see actually like a like a like a mannequin in your office, yeah. just holding the Apple yeah. Watch, so that you can you can fake use uh, Apple Watch features. I could use that mannequin quite well. I could put like my VR headset on its head. I could put an Apple Watch on its arm. See, and that wouldn't be creepy at all. No, no, I'm no, sure no. your wife would be supportive of the <laughs> idea <laughs> of a mannequin wearing tech gadgets. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yes, I'm using SFTP and SSH, still using File Browser, and I can use Prompt. I can use all these other iOS apps to access my Mac Mini, which is very nice. What? Who would the mannequin look like? I wasn't thinking of uh, that, but it will look like Prince Charles. Mm. Uh, so mm. 
Um, I'm sure that would be fine. Uh, Didn't you know. Matt Alexander have a mannequin made of himself for a thing? At some point, yes, he did. Okay, we'll just <laughs> we'll point. find that one. <laughs> oh my god! I wonder if I can find that. Probably it's on his Instagram. Maybe we can yeah, find it. I'll find that. Or or it could be like not necessarily a mannequin, but like a like a wax statue. You know those. Like that they look like real people, but they're not. Oh, oh, wax like a wax statue, like a man two swords type type dealio. Yes, that that kind of stuff. Some some of them are super creepy and super realistic. Scott Forstall wax mannequin. Hundred percent, you nailed Done. it. Done. I couldn't think of who <laughs> I would it. want it to be, but now I know who I want it to be. Yeah, now now we with know his, with with his eyes wide open. Eyes wide open. That, big colorful shirt. Nice. Nice. Yeah, you just there's a button that he just says it's blow away. It's blow away. It's blow, it's blow away. <laughs> and you introduce him, and you introduce him as Scotty to people visiting your house. That would be amazing. That, that would be good, uh, Federico. In the section where we're talking about this in the previous episode, you had mentioned that you were using the app File Browser. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which actually does not support AFP. So the Mac yeah. has a couple of file sharing options. You have uh, SFTP, SSH, like what you're doing. You have SMB. You guys are saying a lot of acronyms that I don't understand right now. Just want to let you know that AFP, SMB. I don't know what any of this stuff is. Yeah, SMB. Uh, it's actually SMB two now on the Mac, but AFP. Oh, good. That that makes it easier. Yeah, two is better than the one before it. AFP has been deprecated though, and so like file browser doesn't even support it, and it's sort of going away in macOS over time. So SMB limits your options if your ISP doesn't allow you to open it up on the network, which is true for a lot of. ISPs, but uh, there's there's lots of good options now for this sort of thing, and um, I do kind of wonder like how big of a need this is. Like how if Back to My Mac was really popular, would Apple have killed it off? Like, I can't imagine many people were actually using it in a post Dropbox world. People don't do this stuff as yeah, much, right? I Man, I don't know about you guys, but like pretty much my entire file system is in Dropbox, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't. You know, the only things that do not go into Dropbox are podcast production files, unless I know, and like the only times they ever go in there, or the only times I ever need them, they're in there, because I've put them in there because I know I'm going to be traveling or whatever, right? Like, I don't start a project on my desktop if I'm going to be finishing it away from my desktop, and, and and if I am going to finish it away from my desktop, it will go into Dropbox, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like... This isn't a thing where I'm like, oh, rats, I don't have the file, right? Because it's just not, you know, that's just not how I work. So I think that that's why, like, something like Back to My Mac just doesn't doesn't really make sense anymore, especially when Apple's trying to get you to sync all of your documents. I got my Mac Mini today, and I took great care to make sure I unchecked that box of, like, sync my desktop. Yeah, do not want. Everything delete from my (laughs) iMac or something. Like, oh, great. (laughs) There it goes. That's what I wanted. See, on my Mac this Mini arrived. Over. I can provide some important follow-up. The accessory kit, mm-hmm. cable. It's just a power cable. That was all that was in there. There was nothing else in there. I was disappointed that the uh, stickers were white. So the, the Apple sticker color deal is interesting, right? Because the if you get a MacBook Air and it's like space gray or something, the stickers are colored. Mm-hmm. My iMac Pro came with dark Apple stickers, mm-hmm. but the Mac Mini doesn't. I don't think the MacBook Pro does. It's real hit or miss. The Mac Pro comes with black ones. Yeah. So I don't know why the Mac Mini doesn't come with gray or black ones. It comes with white ones. It's it's real confusing. Also, can I, can I give a PSA? Sure. 
I want to talk about stickers for a minute. Oh no. Okay. I, very rightly, I think lots more people are putting Apple stick uh, stickers in general, so I should say, onto their iPads because the iPad keyboard folio is a boring expanse of nothingness. So I'm seeing lots of people putting stickers on it. Very happy about this. I would like to ask people, please don't put those white Apple stickers on your devices. It's too big and the sticker's not very good. Just spend like a minute Googling for Apple logo stickers and you could get yourself like a nice rainbow one or something like that. Those big white Apple stickers, please don't use them. And if you're going to use them, please don't put them where you think the Apple logo should go. Put them like in another part. Like, don't put it right in the middle. It's way too big. It doesn't look right. Like, if, if it was scaled down to the size of the Apple logo on the iPad, it would be fine. But that sticker is like, it's like the biggest Apple logo that ever exists. Like, there is no Apple logo on any product that is the size of the sticker they put in the box. It looks wrong. Just trust me on this one. My PSA is over. Do you guys have literally any opinions on what I just said? Uh, um, it sounds more like... um. Like a complaint than a PSA, honestly. No, it's a, it's a it is a public service announcement to make people's sticker devices look better. Okay, no, I agree with it. I just don't have any opinion. I think you're right. Agreeing so, with it is all I wanted. No. Yes, I agree with it. Officially, today's episode is brought to you in part by our friends over at Lunar Display, the hardware solution that turns your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. So you have a super portable second display with stunning image quality and basically zero lag. So my Mac Mini arrived today, and I I've tested the Lunar Display. I played around with it on my iMac a little bit, and it was great. But now I've spent some like some extended periods of time with it because I've literally just been setting up my Mac Mini with just the Lunar Display. I plugged it into a monitor to get like the initial setup done. Once that was done, in went the Lunar Display, and I've been using it for like an hour or so today. It is this this thing is unbelievable. Like I cannot believe how responsive this div- like everything becomes. Like it is wild to be able to use your Mac like this, like with an Apple Pencil. Like it's so wild like i can't believe how responsive it all is it just really honestly like just works it's i am absolutely so excited about this i've been waiting for this right i've been talking about it for weeks right getting the mac mini plug in the lunar display in and now i'm using it and i love it and here's one thing that i thought was fun because one thing the lunar display can't do is send audio but what my mac can do is connect to my home pod so I was, just to test out what it could do, I was watching a YouTube video with sending the audio to my HomePod, and it was flawless. Like, I cannot believe how it can do this so well. Like, the video looked amazing, and the audio was perfectly in sync. Like, this stuff is incredible. Like, seriously, like, you sh- if you have a Mac and an iPad, just pick one of these things up. Just even just to play around with it. But like it, I now have the ability to access my Mac Mini from wherever I want. I can access my Mac Mini now without, because I'm just going to leave it on all the time, right? Like it's just going to do its thing. And I can access it whenever I need. Like I'm super, super excited about this. I think you should check it out. And we've got a great dis- uh, discount for you. Go to lunadisplay.com, L-U-N-A-D-I-S-P-L-A-Y.com. Use the promo code CONNECTED and you'll get 10% off. That's lunadisplay.com and the promo code CONNECTED at checkout for 10% off. Our thanks to Luna Display for their support of this show and Relay FM. 
I shared something with y'all over iMessage the other day, and I, I'm just trying to scroll through. I think I believe Federico's quote was, "You have to say this on the show, or I will," which felt like a threat. If I'm just going to be honest with you, I think well, people know that I bought a second HomePod for Black Friday. It was like a hundred bucks off at Best Buy. Uh huh. Um, and so my my HomePod status has been one in the studio, one in the kitchen. We had an Amazon Echo in our bedroom, and a funny thing was happening. Uh, I, I just sometimes I, I just put technology in my family's lives, and then I just sit back like a scientist and watch how they respond to it. You know, just as a an experiment. I just want to just want to observe, take notes, and what I was observing is that people would come into the bedroom and ask Siri for things. Hmm. And Hmm. Siri couldn't answer because Siri was in the other room. This was going on about the same time where there was like some sort of issue between the iHome switches or, you know, like the power outlet deals that we have to turn lamps on and off. Something was going on where like the Echo wouldn't talk to those, but the HomePod would. And I was just, I was watching these two things on a collision course for each other. And when they collided, what came out was a third HomePod. It's very strange how that happened, but Target had a sell, and we are now a three HomePod family, and the Amazon Echo now is plugged in plugged in here in my office because I want to check Apple Music out on it when that launches, I think later this week or next week. But we're, uh, we're basically all HomePod now in the house. You took advantage of what was called the Green Monday sale. What is this? That's, that's not a thing. Come on. Yes, it is. It's a new. It's a new shopping day. It's called Green Monday. Why? Uh, yeah, we already have Green two. Green Monday is an online retail industry term similar to Cyber Monday. The term was coined Ugh. by eBay in two thousand and seven to describe the best sales day in December. Green Monday. Ugh. Yeah. Don't you know that today is is uh, Yellow Wednesday? Are you not familiar with Yellow Wednesday? Oh, I didn't. What's tomorrow? Yeah, it was created. Uh, tomorrow is Purple Thursday. Purple um, Thursday. Yeah, yeah. I knew about that one. I, I didn't realize it was coming up so soon. I thought it was next week. Yeah, don't try to move away from the topic yet. So now, do we get to make fun of you? You don't, now? but I can. Uh, considering, no. <laughs> okay, considering all the things you said about my three home pods, I feel like you came up with a bunch of stories to justify your purchase of a third home pod. Whereas I was science. just honest, I just said I like it, so I want I want a third one. But instead, yeah. you need to have this entire introduction. Well, you just like the HomePod, and you get a third one. It's fine. But now you yeah. understand why I got three of them. Now you do. I do understand. I mm-hmm. also understand. So the first two were the white, which I really like. The third one is black. The room that it's in black looked a lot better. The black looks really good. Like, I, I kind of wish I had done black on all of them, which, again, is something I believe you told me early on. So, Federico, I submit to your wisdom in the HomePod arena. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, Thank I, you. I even set it up as a studio pair for a little while. They're in separate rooms now, but I wanted to experience that. Holy moly, <laughs> it is good. Yes, uh, it is very good. If you're listening to music a lot, like, that, that is the, the best way to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, they're separate now because they're in different rooms. But when I set it up, I was like, I just... When experiences because the one in the studio, like where it's plugged in to get it out is like pretty serious remodeling at this point. <laughs> uh, so like that one is here forever, but this, the stereo stuff is really cool. Uh, and we woke up this morning and they're, they're discounted yet again. Like Apple has everything on sale. Well, kind of, uh, I think this might just be in the UK. 
Um, Apple okay. is emailing some Apple Music customers. This came from Nine to Five Mac to give them a fifty pound discount to bring it to two six nine for us. And it really, so that's just like another thing that they're doing. But this one, this is like a promo code coming directly from Apple, where all of the sales hmm. have been through third parties like Best Buy. But yeah. I, Best Buy, Target, I hadn't et seen any sales on the HomePod here. I hadn't seen any. I wasn't looking, but that I hadn't seen any. Um, but yeah, having bought two at sales price now, like I firmly believe three forty nine is about a hundred dollars too expensive for this yes. product. Like I would never pay. I mean, my first one I paid full price for yep. on launch day, but no one should. These are on sale often enough. Like wait till it's on sale. Is my two fifty is the right price. Do we talk about smart HDR? Well, we can talk about it. Um, there's this photo that I saw on Twitter uh, shared by um, Tyler Stolman. Tyler, Tyler Stolman. And I think it's a good example of what I was trying to articulate, I think it was last week or a couple of we- uh, weeks ago, about the iPhone camera and how I sometimes, I said sometimes, often... Or sometimes, sometimes I mean, often. It's, it's, it's either, it depends. Some weeks it's sometimes, some it's weeks often. it's often. Yeah, okay, cool. Depends on the pictures. I get it. I get you. Depends I get on the you. weather. Depends on a bunch uh-huh. of factors. I don't like the pictures that come out by default from the iPhone XS camera. And I think this photo here, compa- comparing uh, the same subject um, on a photo from the XS and a photo from the iPhone 7, um, you can see the obvious differences between them, such as, for example, uh, the iPhone 7 version, the highlights are kind of blown out on the subject's face and in the hat she's wearing, and the iPhone XS version using Smart HDR, everything is more uniform, so everything is correctly exposed, and the colors are more balanced out. But when I sent you guys this link, um, I... I said something along the lines of this is why uh, this is what I try to say when 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 I was trying to when I was talking about how old iPhones uh, produced more punchy looks in pictures. Um, for example, if you look at the if you look at the iPhone tennis version, look at the face, look at the look at the jacket, and look at the shirt. Uh, the red of the jacket and the uh, white color of the shirt and the details of the face are more flat to my eyes in the tennis version. This iPhone 7 version, the red is brighter and the white is brighter and the face, even though the, especially the highlights on the nose are more, are kind of blown out, they create that kind of contrast that I don't get in the default tennis version. Now, uh, I shared this opinion in a reply to Tyler on Twitter and a bunch of really clever people, including Sebastian DeWitt, he works on Highlight, they replied to me. And and we I, I sort of I tried to come up with these um arguments for and against the look of the iPhone tennis camera because it, it is clearly at this point everybody sort of agrees that it is an, a sort of a creative decision by Apple even more than a technological one uh, perhaps um, with smart HDR so the argument for um, the, the 10s captures more data then it would otherwise be captured by older iPhones without smart HDR. And thanks to this more 
data points, you can uh, recover some details in, in when editing a picture in, in post, essentially. So it's sort of like RAW. I mean, it's, of course, less data than RAW. But thanks to Smart HDR, you're able to adjust more, th- more aspects of a picture than you would be able to adjust with an old iPhone without Smart HDR. So most people are told me on Twitter, if you don't like, for example, the flat colors of the jacket or the, 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 the flat skin tone, for example, just bump up the contrast a little bit and the result will be better thanks to Smart HDR than uh, doing the same on an old iPhone without Smart HDR. But the argument against, uh, in my opinion, is that I don't want to do no, this. I, I, don't th- I, I understand that argument. Great, great point. I don't, it doesn't work for me. The argument doesn't work for me. Like, I would never really think to do that because I don't know. If exactly. I don't like an image, most of the time, I don't know what I don't like about it because I don't have yeah. the knowledge. Like, I would never, if you would have said to me, like, okay, look at this image. How do you make it look like the other one? I don't know. Turn up the yeah. brightness? But no, it's not. It's the contrast, right? Like, Sound I don't know bright. what to yeah. do. But I will say... uh I really like this 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 image pair. Um, it's fun to me because Tyler posted it as a "here is how good the tennis camera is," right? So like this yeah. is like <laughs> one of those things where it's like I can one hundred percent understand and can see everything you're saying, but I disagree. And it's I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. This is a this is a difference in like personal taste. I think the 10s photo here blows away the seven one because it's more. It just feels more balanced to me. All the details look better. Um, I, I guess this is. It's just a difference in. This is a lot of the problem with camera comparisons. Anyway, it's like people actually like different things, and it, like I like. I I am a big fan of the photos. You know, it's like the portraits you see where like the sharpness is like all the way to the very end. And it has that like real. Mm. It has a very specific look to it, but most a lot of people do not like that. But I do like that. Uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, if it is possible to improve the default smart HDR picture with edits later, I would like Apple to produce a better default picture that implements some of those edits without requiring me the user to go in and do those edits manually so i want them to keep i want them to keep smart hdr and keep improving it for the future i just think the version of smart hdr that they chose for the for the launch for the first iteration of it can produce sometimes like i said results that are a little boring a little too flat and that i don't think this is just me saying this thing i've I've seen this comment from from a bunch of people um and i think there's room for apple to to produce pictures with smart hdr that balance out all the details that produce you know uniform colors and exposure and highlights and all of that while still having that extra little kick in the contrast in the color whatever it is um but yeah i mean uh it's totally fine if you prefer the iphone 10s version i can see why people prefer that uh and i'm not saying that the iphone 7 is necessarily a better picture but like Again, just look at the hat and you will see the problems there. But when I look at it, like I showed this picture to Sylvia, right? So I covered, I zoomed into the picture so that I would cover the 10s and 7 uh, model names. And I asked her, which one do you prefer? And straight away, 
she told me, well, the one on the right is so much better. Um, so I, I don't think I'm alone in this, uh, but I understand why um, some people, most people maybe, don't agree with me or others like me. So uh, this picture we mentioned was taken uh, by Tyler Stallman. Uh, Tyler is a very interesting content creator. I enjoy his stuff a lot. Uh, he's good on Instagram yeah. and YouTube. And I was on an episode of his podcast recently. I'll put all those in the show notes. And the model is, uh, her name is Anya, and she is also a an awesome Instagram person. She's a, like, she has, she's, a, she's an Insta, like, she's like an influencer and a model. And she has a really cool Instagram page too. And Tyler and Anya are married. And Tyler takes a lot of Anya's photos. They're a really, they're a really cool duo. So I'll put links to all their stuff in the show notes. Uh, so Federica, the next bullet point here in follow up says Belkin launches wireless charging dock, and you are the king of the docks. It <laughs> seems like. Okay. Um, Am I? Okay. You're the dock king. <laughs> what's what's going on with this one? Uh, so this is the so. What happened here is that I don't know what Belkin is doing since they were acquired by Foxconn. Remember that? Holy no, crap. Belkin is a yeah, Foxconn. Yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are a Foxconn uh, subsidiary, I suppose. Um, anyway, uh, just so last week, um, there was the Apple Store refresh with... Um, what, what did Apple launch last week? A bunch of new watch bands and something and else. And the iPhone XR clear case. Yes, the case and... So I had been checking for a few weeks at that point because I realized that on October 30th, when Apple was doing their Brooklyn event, Belkin announced the only USB-C to HDMI adapter with support for 4K at 60 hertz and HDR output. So I've been looking for adapters like this, couldn't find anything that supported 4K60 and HDR with Dolby Vision and HDR10. Um, and Belkin thought that announcing this in the middle of an Apple event was a good idea. So I don't think a lot of people noticed. I noticed <laughs> because I was checking out their their uh, press yep. uh, newsroom As page. King of the Docs would do. And yeah. so, of course. So I had been I, I had been checking the Apple on- online store for a few weeks, and last week I saw you know the 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 Apple Watch bands and the iPhone XR case, and I was like, hmm, let me check if Belkin actually released something today and told nobody about it. So I went to the US Apple online store and didn't see anything. Then I went to my local Italian Apple store. And I saw both the new Belkin USB-C to HDMI adapter and the boost-up uh, charging dock for iPhone and Apple Watch. So it appears that Belkin kind of soft-launched both of these accessories just in European Apple online stores. Um, I don't, I have no idea why, but this is the case. I, I, I already, I acquired the USB-C to HDMI adapter. Works as advertised. I had an article about this on Mac Stories a few days ago. But the boost up. So this is an evolution of the original Belkin Valet charger that featured a Lightning connector and a an Apple Watch stand. This one has a wireless charging pad for modern iPhones and a horizontal Apple Watch charger so that you can take advantage of nightstand mode when the watch is charging. And the 
the wireless pad for the for the iPhone uses Qi charging, of course, at 7.5 watts. So this is um, unlike Android, 7.5 watts is considered fast wireless charging on iOS by Apple. I think Android devices can go can go up to 10 watts if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, uh, this is an expensive dock. It's going to cost £140 or €160. So not cheap, but I have been informed by Santa Claus reading my girlfriend that I will be getting one of these for Christmas. So... um, I'm looking. I'm very much looking forward to this in the white version, which is gonna go great with my IKEA nightstand. Um, but yeah, I mean, I already have a Logi, not Logitech. It's just called Logi. Um, in Europe, wireless charger. Um, in Europe, yeah, I have a Logi charger, which is great. It's very nice, very minimal. It goes great with this uh, IKEA furniture. But I want an integrated solution for both the iPhone and Apple Watch, and this is it, even though it costs a lot of money. And I, I don't understand why it costs so much money, but, you know, no alternative is as pretty as this one. Hmm. Yeah. And also, I should say, the USB-C to HDMI adapter, also expensive, costs... 60 euros or 50 pounds. <laughs> it's, oh, a, it's a it's a thick dongle. Yeah, Let me tell I, you, this is I one thick one. dongle. Thing is huge. And even more annoying and surprising is that um, you pay 60 euros for this and you don't even get the option to charge the iPad while outputting video to uh, to an external monitor. Uh, there's no uh, USB power delivery built in. So this is literally just one adapter for 4K at 60 HDR output. It works great. That's what it needs to do. Supports iTunes and Netflix uh, thanks to HDCP 2.2. But your iPad's battery is going to run out if you keep streaming video. Um, so I'm looking forward to somebody ever doing... Uh, 4K at 60 with HDR in a USB-C hub. I think that's going to take a while, though, because this is a lot of chips that need to go into this dongle. And I'm not sure if... you know. I mean, they could do probably USB-C hub that is as big as the iPad, and that would support it, but... Uh, Looking at this image on Mac Stories, the dongle looks like it's half as tall as <laughs> well, the iPad is. That's, a, that's an 11-inch iPad, but yes, it's... Uh, not small it it also seems like that dongle's big enough they could build a battery bank <laughs> into it it's very big. So like you don't have to have power delivery because there's a battery it's in a, there letting a, everything it's, charge it's papa dongle that's what the, it is. Uh, <laughs> it's the king of boy. all dongles on that day by the way apple also put the 18 watt charger for sale oh yes that yeah. I was that's the the, the, the which thing is that was missing from my list speci- like, which is particularly exciting if you are somebody who needs to charge of a UK plug because this is the first time that Apple has shipped a collapsible UK plug since the Apple watch the Apple watch had a collapsible UK plug where the prongs would collapse inside of the plug. I remember I saw somewhere like an interview with Johnny Ive and he said like how long he'd been working to try and make this product. And now the second time this has popped up is with the 18 watt USB-C power adapter charger. I can't believe it's taken them this long to, to roll it out more, but I just bought a couple of these because this is the best charger I've ever seen for a UK plug now because it collapses down so it won't poke you. And as Casey Liss has told us all, this is the superior plug type. So Yeah, Casey loves them. He actually, weirdly enough, yeah. like it was very expensive for him, but he had somebody go to his house and replace all of his wall outlets with UK outlets. 
It, wow. He has to make a Wait, yeah. What? He has to make a lot of like really particular like purchasing decisions now about like his electronics and stuff. But yeah, he, K- Casey prefers something non-American. Yeah, this is this is yeah. his favorite. He had everything in his house changed over to the UK uh, plug system, and yeah. that's it. And then he loves it. He's so I uh, I'll be that's very I'll be sending a couple of these Casey's way because he loves them so much. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a if Casey likes something from the UK, I have a lot, whole list of European things he could like. So, like healthcare, <laughs> or, or democracy. <laughs> we have a couple of brief things to round up what has been a record-setting segment of follow-up. Uh, first, there's a really nice segment on this week's upgrade about the iPhone. That's a good show. iPhone air quotes discounts. Uh, you and Jason, uh, Mike, you and Jason spoke a lot about the iPhone XR and the XS and how Apple's really pushing people to trade in old phones. We touched on that last in last week's Connected, and I had this like ho- whole follow-up thing in my head, and then I listened to upgrades. Like, well, Jason said everything I thought, so just go listen to Jason. Yeah, I liked what Jason was saying because he provided maybe like a different opinion and a little bit of like potential clarity for why this thing is happening. I still maintain that it's super weird. It is weird. But uh, I think Jason has had a good viewpoint on it. Lastly, longtime listeners will know that at the end of the year, every year, here on Connected, we do a year in review episode where we sort of walk through the calendar and uh, as if we're walking through the forest picking flowers. Each flower is a story as we go through the months and sometimes so romantic sometimes the stories we laugh at because we thought it was a big deal at the time and it didn't go anywhere some things are really small at the time and it being big it's really fun to see how things turn out but we need do you usually laugh at flowers steven well the, the metaphor up? did fall down a little bit okay okay <laughs> i was hoping we could just keep going we need your help a little bit, though. So if you have a story topic from 2018 you'd like us to revisit, just tweet with the hashtag ConnectedYear, and we have a little uh, little robot going around and, and scooping all those up into its basket. That episode will come out on December 26th. You're being very, very visually metaphoric today. Why is the robot got a basket? Well, where would the robot put the... Put the tweets. That's true. I, I guess he prints them out. I don't know. I think there is one obvious best topic of okay. the year, Uh-oh. and that is so obviously weird fish. Uh, oh, I mean, right. of all the things we discussed, weird fish yeah. is the absolute winner. But we are up for discussing other topics of the year, even though weird fish is, uh, is the best topic. <laughs> don't good. we also have some predictions to go through? Yes, we do. And we will do them on that episode, Mm. probably. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have some 2018 predictions. uh, Who's writing it down that we're doing this on that episode? One of the three of us needs to write that down so we remember. Steven. All right, great. I said Steven. Great, okay. (laughs) 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 All right, uh, start on year in review outline and... Uh, what should I say? I'm putting this in my and task manager and predictions in- include 2018 predictions. This is what people tuned in for, right? To listen to Stephen put things in to remember the milk. <laughs> There's still room for <laughs> the milk. air power to come out. <laughs> no, there isn't. Airpods. There is, there is <laughs> yes, no there more is. room. There absolutely is. I got my first AirPods. Uh, on uh, December 20-something, two years ago. It is absolutely possible. No, no, no. The time you bought something, it's that's not... That's not, like That's when you bought it. They didn't release it on December 20th. 
It doesn't matter. That's not uh, if you ever worked at Apple operations, you know this is not how it works. I didn't, but I like to say that. Some people do on Twitter, so I can say that too. Do you work at Apple? Do you? <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create a website for your next idea or project with the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of and customize award-winning templates, and have 24-7 customer support right at your fingertips. Squarespace is the only-one platform. That will let you do whatever it is you want to do online. There's nothing to install or patch or upgrade. They take care of all of that for you. Everything is accessible in the web browser. It's super, super awesome. No matter what type of website you want to make, maybe it's a blog, maybe you want to make an online store, maybe you want to make a site for an upcoming event. We did this for our wedding uh, earlier this year. It was super awesome. We could take advantage of their templates that they had. They had like wedding templates. So all of the page information was there. All of the structure was there. We just needed to... To go in and customize what we needed to customize it couldn't have been easier and i just don't th- basically without squarespace we would not have had a website for our wedding and none of our guests would have made it to our wedding so thank you squarespace for making sure that we i mean because it really well I, I mean i joke but like it had like everything all of the information that we need that everybody needed was on there the ability to take rsvps we did with squarespace to take everybody's meal options we did with squarespace like it really was amazing for us um you can sign up right now by going to squarespace.com connected um and once you're ready to sign up for a plan after you've played around with their free trial you can use the code connected to get 10 percent of your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show once again that's squarespace.com slash connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of this show Squarespace make your next move make your next website we have to talk about the smart battery iPhone case mm-hmm. remember this thing yeah. from several years ago yeah. the humpback that's right people made fun of for how it looked but it turns out that it worked pretty well there is uh there are rumors by Mr. Rambo over on 9to5Mac that the smart battery case could be making a comeback. In watchOS 5.1.2, which is the best version number of watchOS yet, he found a case, uh, references to a case, three individual cases, actually, all of slightly different sizes that could be for the 10s, 10R, and 10s Max. He believes they will be out this year, so they could squeak in under the wire. Actually had this in the show notes uh, a couple of days ago, kind of assuming that it would be out Yesterday or today, it's not out yet, but it seems like it could be. Here's the, oh, here's the thing, right? Now, this feels like something that you would match up with air power, right? Mm-hmm. It's all battery yeah. related. Totally. I'm sure this charges via wire. It's got to be charging, you'd expect, but I bet it's not. But it, it would be nice if it was. Imagine that all at the same time. Wouldn't that be nice? That'd make you happy, oh. Federico. That'd be weird. I don't think this would work with air power, though. I can't imagine this being wireless. Why? Like it would I be mean, cool if the battery it. case could wireless charge, and then it could charge your phone. It's like a it's like a fire brigade of power. However, the image on nine to five Mac has a lightning port on the bottom. Yeah. What if what if the battery is larger and it's toward the bottom because they need to fit a wireless charging coil? On top of the battery. I think it'd be cool. Because you could just leave this in the case all the time, but still use wireless charging. And then when you pick your phone up, you have bonkers battery life. 
Yeah, I would be surprised, honestly, if, if Apple did release a product like this and it wasn't wireless charging enabled. Hmm. It feels like that, that you would be adding like uh, ugly complexity, you know, if you're like, well, your phone charges wirelessly and we're, we want you to get that. But your case, you have to plug that in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, is this you something know? that y'all want? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. No. <laughs> wow. As soon as possible. All right, Federico, you first. I love, I was <laughs> one of the few people in the Apple community, so fancy, uh, that uh, publicly expressed. Of which I am king of the yes, docs. Publicly expressed <laughs> is a positive opinion in favor of the iPhone 7 smart battery case. Did you use it? I have no memory of you using I it. I loved it. I had an entire section of my iPhone 7 story about it. I loved how native, native to the iPhone it was. No need to manage anything. No need to turn it on and off. It was all integrated right there in the batteries widget. Um... I loved it, and I was so sad when starting with the... They, they never made a version of, for the Plus models. They never made a version for the iPhone 10. We recently gave this old iPhone 7 to Sylvia's mom um, with the smart battery case, and she's absolutely loving it. She never has to charge the phone during the day. It just works, and once you get used to the thickness of it, uh, I think the, the it basically doubles the battery of the phone. And if that's a if that's a compromise that you're willing to accept, this is the best option that you can find on 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 the Apple Store. And so I want to get a Tennis Max version of this as soon as it comes out, because I I never want to plug in my phone during the day as I'm doing right now. But the phone is sitting on top of this wireless char- wireless charger on my desk. I don't want to do this. I want to have the iPhone in my hands. And with the smart battery case, I could do that. Ask any tech blogger and they'll make fun of the hump on the back of the case and criticize Apple's Those industrial design. Those are my design. words. Appearances are debatable, but the smart battery case has some serious practical advantages over third-party battery cases that I've always wanted to experience for yes, myself. Yes, that's, that's me. Yeah. It's that's a good you. quote. Uh-huh. You said that. It's, it's a real good quote. <laughs> it is. It's good. Yeah. I just don't need battery extra battery life on my phone. Like it is absolute this phone is absolutely fine. Like mm-hmm. I have no requirements for additional battery. I I would like it for travel. I even then I don't, I don't because here's here's my thing, right? I am always still going to bring an external battery pack. Yeah, but batteries like RAM, the more you have in the phone, you're never going to complain about it. Yeah, but it isn't a problem for me because for a couple of reasons. Most planes have something you can plug into these days, right? Um, so I will just plug a cable into like the seat outlet. But other than that, I have like this massive anchor battery, which I have that can charge anything that I will take with me, right, on a trip. Will it charge your USB-C iPad Pro? Yes, because it's actually like this is... It's the one that charges the switch, and the switch is incredibly power hungry. Ooh, will you put a link to that in the show notes? Uh, I don't know what one it is, but I'll find it. I'll find it. I recently acquired a the wire cutter recommendation for USB-C batteries. Uh, this is a brand that I was not familiar with. It's called the um, ZMI USB PD uh, backup battery. So this thing is the best battery I've ever used. It supports uh, 40, uh, 45-watt output. I'm going to buy that one because my only does 30 watts. <laughs> so you don't want my link. My link sucks. What's your link? 
Okay, so this is the, the current work worker recommendation. I needed to wait a, a week from Amazon to get this delivered, but it, today Sylvia needed to use her MacBook Pro, which was turned off. This thing turned on the Mac, the 13-inch MacBook Pro, and kept it charging as she was using it. Uh, so hmm. here's the thing, though: I've never heard of this company. Yeah, but uh, I'm. I've I've had this battery for two weeks. I haven't caught fire. I haven't exploded. The wire cutter recommends it. I think you should be fine. Also, I checked, and this company makes other things uh, like cables and other accessories. Um, and it looks very premium, actually. Like the battery itself, it's like an LED indicator. And what's even better about this battery is that it doubles as a USB hub. So once you're charging, it's what? also a hub, but it's a battery hub. <laughs> it's insane. It's awesome. And it's, uh, it's, um, it looks very, very stylish and classy. It's got this sort of space gray color. Uh, I love it. It's ex- hmm, I'm not sure if it's available yeah. here. What is it? 45 what? I think it just might have a different 45. name maybe. What is it called? ZMI. Yeah, like the actual USB. product name. Is it the Power Pack 20,000? No. no, just just okay. click. On, I'm looking just at click one. on the wire cutter link, and it'll. Yeah, it takes me to a search uh, when it finds zero results. Oh, okay, results. so you need to copy the name and search for it on Amazon.com or Amazon Italy has it. Um, it's advertised as the battery for the MacBook, MacBook Pro, Pixel Book, Nintendo Switch, and a bunch of other phones. Yeah. All right. Maybe I'll get it from Amazon.com then. Yeah. Anyway, hmm. um, you were saying, Michael, something. Oh, I've just searched for it on Amazon.com and it's not there oh, either. What? <laughs> Are you sure about this? So, yeah. Well, well, you can you can read the wire cutter explanation of it. Yeah, that's like that's like having it's it. A, it's on Amazon <laughs> Italy. If you know Italian, you can sign up for an Amazon Italy account um, hmm. and buy hmm. it from Italy. Maybe it's an Italian company. Maybe the hmm. the I stands for Italy. Yeah. I see it in the US. It's right here. Just um, in my browser. I'm searching Amazon.com and it's not finding it. I don't know what's going on. Right here. Yeah. Okay. The aforementioned watchOS 5.1.2 brought with it for Apple, for US Apple Watches, I should say, the ECG functionalities. This was something that was teased way back when the uh, Apple Watch Series 4 was announced. And, uh, we're not doctors. I know that we may sound like we are, but we're not. Uh, so I, I don't know if we can give like a th- super thorough explanation of how this works. But effectively, what the watch does is monitors uh, electrical impulses uh, across your body. So it uses a new sensor on the back of the Series 4. And then so that's on your wrist and you touch your index finger to the digital crown after opening the new ECG app. And you're supposed mm-hmm. to kind of sit still and... It will monitor electrical impulses from your heart across your body. And what it is looking for... I'm so sorry, but can I give some real-time follow-up? I'm so sorry. <laughs> is it about Amazon? It's about this battery. Oh, gosh. It's listed differently in different countries. I found the same thing in Amazon, on Amazon.co.uk. It's called the ZMI QB820. Like That's the product code. It's listed differently oh, okay. in different countries. But that's the product. I'm sorry. That's a sign sorry, of quality. But like, I, I just, I, I figured I had to get it out there so like we can stop people from tweeting at us. I found it. It's going to be Amazon.com, Amazon.co.uk. It's listed differently, but this way you should find it. 
Okay. I'm sorry. Now we can so, move back onto ECGs. So ECGs are looking at, is this electrical impulse generated from your heart? Is it in a regular rhythm called sinus rhythm? Or is it uh, acting up and you could have a, a health issue? And so the ECG looks at that. I played with this when it came out, whenever 5.1.2 came out several days ago. And it works basically how Apple described it on stage. You open the app. It walks you through... Uh, some like setup screens. You have to like enable it on your iPhone as well. Some of that actually is a little confusing. I think Apple could have done a smoother job at the onboarding, but they really want to make clear that like if this shows you have an issue or even if this doesn't show you have an issue and you think you have a health issue, like go see a doctor. Like there's a lot of lawyer speak in some of this stuff. But once you get it all set up, you just open the app. It walks you through. You have to sit still. So I did it, and I actually moved a little bit, and like my finger moved on the digital crown, and it basically yeah. said it had to restart. But 30 seconds counted down. I got a uh, a healthy return, which is good. Yay. And then that is that is um, uh, when it when the test is done, you get a screen saying, "Do you want to basically write down any symptoms that you're having?" And it appends all that in the health app. So say oh. that you felt lightheaded and you did this and then the reading is is inconclusive or shows that you may have you may have something going on you could write down you know i felt i felt lightheaded or i felt dizzy or whatever that may be so when you go speak to your doctor you you have a very clear record of what happened and the health app will actually this is so cool will generate a pdf of all of your test results that you can just like send to your doctor or print out a hand to them so they have this over time because some of these issues can be intermittent from what I've read that this isn't something that's going on all the time. Sometimes it, it kind of comes and goes. And so if you've been doing this for a month and you, you caught three of them, that could be like really useful information to your healthcare provider and health app just takes care of documenting all that for you. So like, um, it's really pretty cool. And, uh, I was, I was, you know, I was glad to see that I'm healthy, at least in this regard, which is nice. And I like that it's here. Um, Mike, I know you, you haven't been able to play with it. Your, your watch is not a U.S. model. Oh, you don't even have a Series 4. What am I saying? Um, Federico, you have a U.S. Yeah, watch in your house. Sylvia though, does, correct? because I bought a, a Series 4 watch for her when I was in Brooklyn. Um, so I tested this, and initially I had a very, very wrong idea in that I tried to perform an ECG as my post-dinner digestion was going on and my heart rate was too high for the ECG. Um, So you get a message. uh, I I was getting inconclusive. And one of the reasons listed by the ECG app was maybe your heart rate is a little too high right now. And that usually happens when when your body is going through digestion. So I was like, what did you eat? (laughs) Okay, it seems normal. I didn't know that. It was was not a light dinner, I should say. So that that was not surprising. Uh, so what I what I did is I just waited. I just waited a little, relaxed, ran the ECG test again. And it's not like I was worried because I just had an ECG at an actual doctor, you know, the, the classic one with uh, 10 electrodes on your body, uh, like a couple of weeks before. So I knew that I was fine. But I ran the test again and it came back, uh, you know, sinus rhythm, all good. Um, there's a bunch of, uh, when you set it up the first time, there's a bunch of screens and like explanations that you need to read. Uh, you need to provide details about your, um, you know, uh, about your, like your age and your your weight, I think, uh, like details that the health app can compare, you know, uh, to, to produce these um, summaries for you. 
And I mean, it was great. I think um, much of the skepticism surrounding ECG is that you're comparing, um, you know, going to a cardiologist and having 10, usually 10 electrodes attached to your body, to your limbs, to your arms, to your chest. To, you're comparing that, which is a it's it's a it's a lot of like medical equipment going on, to you know <laughs> a bunch of cables and they need to like they need to to put some gel on your skin to make sure that the electrodes attach correctly. Um, you're comparing that to wearing a watch, putting your finger on the side of the watch, which <laughs> looks kind of ridiculous. But I compared the the printed result of the traditional ECG. To the watch ECG and the, the the graph of the heart rhythm, it was basically the same. Um, it was actually kind of the same heart rate and the same rhythm and the same um, shape of the graph, if that makes sense. So I think, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be, it's, it's like the heart rate measurement. I don't think it's going to be as accurate as wearing a chest strap, for example. In this case, I don't think it's going to be as precise as wearing electrodes when you go to the cardiologist but i think it's close enough and i think this idea of creating a closed circuit by putting the finger on one side and having the watch on the opposite uh, side of your body i think it works and if if they get approved by the fda they're clearly onto something so i think it's awesome that they're doing this I really love this line from John Paksowski's article on BuzzFeed. Uh, he says, The point here is not that the watch can't do a medical-grade ECG. It's that it can do an ECG at yeah. all. Right? It's like, yeah, sure, it's not the same as a 10-lead ECG. But it is a version of it that you can do whenever and wherever you want. Like, that is kind of incredible. Because, like, look, if you've had something in your chest and it feels weird... If you want to get an ECG done that day, you got a long day ahead of you if you're going to get seen today, right? Like, you're going to have to go somewhere, like, all that kind of stuff. And if you could just immediately test yourself to give yourself some level of peace of mind, great. And there is a there is an example of this already, right? There was this guy yeah. on Reddit yeah. who was playing around with it and was getting weird... Uh, he, he was getting weird uh, results. Tried it on his wife. It was fine. Put it back on him. Weird results. Weird results. It was like it was saying afib, like afibrillation. Went to a healthcare place. They tested him, and they were like, "This probably saved your life." <laughs> so like, wow. it's like it's wild. Like, and again, this was inevitable to happen. That exact thing was inevitable to happen. Funnily enough, it happened on the exact day that the feature came out. So, you know, I wanted to say something about. Um, people complaining about the fact that it's US only for now and saying this is software why don't you just roll it out even though you don't have certification by each local uh, government <laughs> seems wise <laughs> um, first of all I don't think these people get the idea of how providing people with a, with a quasi-medical feature can expose yourself to class action lawsuits and all kinds of troubles when it comes to, oh, my watch didn't detect AFib and I died and now I'm suing you because you, you gave me a watch that didn't tell me. <laughs> it's, imp it's important to have oversight. It's, it's important to have approval and to have clear regulations in place because when you're 
telling people, you buy this watch, you buy this device, and you can run an ECG, and it'll tell you if it detects signs of AFib. I think it's important that you get all of your that you get everything covered in terms of working with the local government, working with the local uh, medical institutions, getting approved for sale in a local market. Because this is not like, oh, I don't get Apple News in Italy, or I don't get the Apple TV app in the UK or something like that. This is serious stuff. And people are going to use this feature to perform tests that are up until today were performed at the doctor's office and they're going to install a software update that in the background will monitor them and tell them if it detects signs of a medical condition. I mean, this is not a joke. And when it comes to this kind of functionality, I think it's extremely important that any company, not just, not just Apple, but in this case, we're talking about the Apple Watch, that they work with each local government and each local healthcare um, institution, whatever you want to call it, to make sure that it is approved and that you will go, if you go to a hospital, those people will know what you're talking about, that if you generate a PDF and you bring it to your local health um, office, they will know why you have that PDF. It's all those these details that I am... Um, while I understand the argument of it's just software, so it's technically possible, I think in this case, unlike news apps, unlike watching TV shows, it's extremely important to make sure that each citizen can use this feature while knowing that it was approved by their local government that they pay taxes for, that, and by the health organization, the health institutions that are local to their country. Um, People are probably gonna disagree with me. I just um, I think that any software feature that deals with the health aspect of your daily life needs to be approved by the country where you live and needs to become compatible, for the lack of a better word, with your health institution and local organizations and your doctor and your you know. It's why we don't have, for example, the health integration with local hospitals for blood tests. They could enable that, but it's not, it's not just as easy as saying, oh, there's an open API, now your hospital can, can work with that. They need to get approved. And they need to get approved for your safety, for their safety, because Apple doesn't want to expose itself to lawsuits by people complaining about this feature. So it's a it's bureaucracy, but in this case, I feel like it's needed. I completely agree. Like, uh, I, this is a super tricky thing. You want to make sure you get it right. You want to make sure that it meets ev that everybody's cool with it, especially because any of these types of things will increase the stress on the healthcare system. People being able to test themselves at home <laughs> is a good thing and a bad thing, right? Because if the software isn't a hundred percent, which it probably isn't, right? Like it's not going to get every reading correct. It may give false readings, and people go and get themselves tested, and there was no problem. But even if it does give them a problem, right? Like that is a person that wouldn't have taken that reading. I mean, and as terrible as that is, that they may have had a problem, right? But you know, you, that's going to drive more people into medical institutions. Anything like this, it is something that I believe people should have the access to. Because we have the technology, so people should be able to use it. Like, if we have the ability to democratize healthcare in this way, 
around the world that should be done right like but but everybody needs to understand it comes with complications and problems you know there are also issues with like people becoming obsessive about testing themselves which is also not a good thing right like there are there are a lot of issues that come Mm -hmm. with stuff like this Mm -hmm. that we need to understand and, and deal with properly as a society but it is 100% something that should exist, but it needs to exist within the institutions that already are in place. Like, Apple can't just roll in no. and be like, we put a, we put a heart testing sensor in this thing. It's not your problem now. Like, you, it's irresponsible. Yeah. Um, it, they need to work with the with the governments and the, the, the governing bodies to make sure that this stuff is implemented Health correctly. Health features need to be regulated. That's my... And yes, tested. That's my perspective on it, so... Yeah. But as soon as possible, really. They should work. Uh, the, I, I hope that in 2019 we'll see the rollout of this feature in a bunch of countries. Um, so we'll see. Now, one last question for you guys on this. Are these features like serious selling points of the Apple Watch? So like at this point, you have ECG, so you've got AFib detection, irregular heart rate detection, fall detection, and emergency assistance. Like are these are these is this kind of stuff? A serious selling point for the Apple Watch. Yes, I th- I think it is. You know, I- I've said on the show in the past that you know if I had a family member who was at risk of some of these things, I would I would buy them one. And um, not a bit too many details out there, but I've got a family member who has has had some recent health issues, and I'm thinking about buying them an Apple Watch because one of the things that they're going through, the watch could really be helpful in their situation. I think, I think that's a good idea. I think you should do that. It is, um, you know, it's an it's it's an expensive gift. It's an expensive device, but I think that I think that the, the stuff they're doing now with the sensors builds on what they were doing a couple of years ago, right? Like the the reason I wear an Apple Watch most days, I don't wear it every day, but it, the days that I wear it, it is for the fitness and tracking stuff, right? So like, go work out, go for a bike ride, go for a run. I want to quantify that and and see how I'm doing over time with my activity level. You know, the notifications and that stuff, like I use less and less of it, mainly because I, I work at home. Like I'm, I'm always here. It's like I, I see when notifications happen. I don't necessarily need to be tapped on my wrist. So I've dialed that way back. But the fitness stuff is important for a lot of people. All those stories we heard, we still hear them, but especially like when the watch came out and like watch OS uh, two and three, when the fitness stuff really got, uh, kind of more open to developers, people saying the Apple watch helped me lose this many pounds, or I've exercised 90 days in a row. And like, I'm, I'm still closing the rings The this health stuff on top of that feels like the next level, right? Where the stories like that, that guy on Reddit who, you know, the doctor said, like, it's probably saved your life. Like our friend, James green, right? Like the Apple watch did save his life. Uh, and those things are really important. And it's when, like, I like talking about this. I like talking about the Apple Watch. I'm interested in it mainly because of this sort of thing, because Apple can apply its like hardware, software services, you know, magic to things that really matter. You know, it's one thing to like, oh, I synced all my contacts around. And like, I know Federico would kill for that right now, but it's a different thing to apply that to, oh, hey, you may have a heart condition or, hey, you know, your aunt had a fall and no one would know except that the watch called 911 and called you as her emergency contact. That stuff matters. And 
Apple doing more in this arena is really exciting to me because so far they've done a really good job of it. And so I think it's a huge selling point, maybe not for the whole population, but at least for a segment of it. I think it puts it miles ahead of something like a Fitbit that just can't do this stuff. Yeah, totally agree. This show is also brought to you by our friends at Simple Contacts. We're all busy, really busy lives. You have stuff you want to do. You have work to do. You have side projects you want to get to. You have video games you want to play. Whatever it is, you have things in your life. And nobody wants to sit in waiting rooms. Like, we're just talking about this stuff, right? Nobody wants to sit in waiting rooms. No one wants to sit in doctor's offices. You don't want to be there all day. You don't want to lose your whole day. Well, your contact lens renewal should not be one of these things. You don't, you don't have to renew your order, your prescription order every time just by, like having to sit in a doctor's office. You want to be able to do it from wherever you want in just minutes. You want to use Simple Contacts because they will let you do that. They have a self-guided vision test. It takes just five minutes to complete. This is way faster than taking time off to go to the doctor's office. And then you can reorder your contacts right from the app whenever and wherever you want. A licensed doctor reviews every single test so you can skip the office visit, but not the care. This is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. Simple Contacts checks that the current prescription that you're giving them helps you see 2020 and they will renew your lenses based on that they are not writing new prescriptions or examining your eye health simple contacts have all of the brands and lens types you're familiar with at unbeatable prices their vision cost of test costs just 20 dollars, and the standard shipping on their contacts is free plus on top of that we have a special offer for our listeners you can get 20 dollars off your contacts by going to simplecontacts.com connected 20 and using the code connected 20 at checkout, their app has over 5,000 people who have rated it five stars. It's a very good app. Stephen, can you tell me about the Simple Contacts app? I can. It takes something as old-fashioned as like a vision test and just makes it kind of like fun and exciting to do. So you put your contacts in and the app walks you through the test and it tells you like how far back to stand so you can't cheat, right? It's not like, oh, I'm holding the phone in my hand. Like it, it walks you through it all in a way that I was like, oh yeah, like why hasn't this been automated? Why hasn't this been made smarter than it's like a poster hanging on an office wall? Uh, it's really, really slick. Once again, that's simplecontacts.com slash connected20 and the code connected20 at checkout for $20 off. Our thanks to Simple Contacts for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so we're going to round out this episode talking about an article that Federico wrote called The Mini Setups of the iPad Pro. And so we spoke about your Mac mini setup and how you're doing some of that. And we talked how the iPad sort of interplays with that at your desk, but this article, you kind of walk through the different ways you have used your iPad pro and some different uh, methodologies you're using, depending on how you want to work. That's I think a really unique thing about the iPad, at least in the Apple ecosystem, where like a MacBook pro is kind of a MacBook pro, but an iPad you can put in all these different situations, depending on what you want to do. So do you want to, uh, walk us through a little bit about some of the keyboards you're using and the USB-C stuff. So the first, um, the, the idea of this article was to show the setups that I tried, but also make the point of the iPad Pro, the, the iPad in itself is more uh, versatile than something like a MacBook because of its form factor and how it can uh, change depending on the accessories that you use. But also make the point of USB-C being a bigger deal than maybe initially expected because it, it unlocks compatibility with um, a bunch of accessories that you probably already own for your Mac, which you can now use with your iPad Pro. And the setups that I, that I detailed, um, so let's see, the Magic Keyboard, 
that I um, that I initially used with the Studio Need Canopy stand, but now I'm using with the Fintie Finti cover. It's a it's a product that I got from Amazon.com, and Jason Snell was uh, he, he told me actually I forgot about this, but I used to own one of them. The Finti cover that I'm using, um, it's very much inspired by the original origami stand. Oh uh, by, for the yeah. Yeah. yeah, I totally forgot about that. But this is where it draws its inspiration from. Um, this is a cover for the Magic Keyboard. You put the Magic Keyboard in a plastic um, shell. So it sits into the, into the shell. It doesn't move. And you can close the cover on top of the keyboard. It's got magnets, so they sort of attach to the other to the bottom of the of the cover. But when you want to use it in typing mode with the iPad, those two little magnetic tabs they create a stand, uh, like a triangular shaped stand, and you can put the iPad uh, on top of that stand, and it's not gonna fall off. It's not gonna open accidentally. And this is my favorite setup when I when I want to use the Magic Keyboard. I also detailed how I'm using the Viozon vertical stand, the thing that looks like a mini iMac foot made of aluminum, to raise the iPad to my line of sight. And with that setup, I mentioned, again, the Magic Keyboard, but mostly the Matthias um, Mini Tactile Pro Keyboard. Um, that this is a mechanical keyboard that's based on USB that I've been using and I really enjoy it. It's uh, uh, the article has a bunch of details about what kind of mechanical keyboard it is, but it's uh, very much inspired by the tradition of uh, classic Mac keyboards, and it's it's very noisy, it's very loud. Sylvia hates it. I love it. Um, uh, I'm probably gonna have to stop using it soon because she she really doesn't like it. Um, can I ask you a question about the okay. Matthias? What do you think about the way it looks? It's uh, it's it's not pretty. I think the the pictures okay. that I had in the article made it look prettier than it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a it is an unfortunate looking it's, thing. Uh, it's I, I, look, I it's ugly and it's bulky and it's heavy, and you need to. Yeah. It's you need huge. to hide the thing when people visit your house. It's heavy. It's not light. <laughs> it's not. It's not huh. light. It's uh, powered by steam. Like, what do you expect? It's it. Each key has its own mechanism. So there, there's a, there's quite a. But still, there's though, a bit of metal. That, that's, I, I would <laughs> never a, have thought that. That would that surprises yeah, me actually to hear light. that they're, that they're heavy. I will say on those images, very good okay. job. By the way, you did a very good job with the imagery Sy- in this post. Sylvia really took them. So. <laughs> She's, she's got the, very good. She's got the there eye. You, go. you have a new, a new uh, design yeah. expert. Like what would we call it? Like a creative, create. What are uh, they called? A creative yes, director. Creative there director. You go. That's what she does. Um, but yeah, and mm-hmm. so I detailed, I detailed the mechanical keyboard, the Viazon stand, and then I moved on to the topic of USB-C hubs, and how the first one that I bought was not an iPad Pro hub, was a MacBook MacBook hub. My bad for assuming that it was going to work well. It was a hyper hub the called the uh, the Solo 71 um I I, I should have assumed it was going to be a good solution for the iPad Pro. In fact, they made a new thing for the iPad Pro that has a grip specifically yeah. designed for to attach to the iPad Pro like a soft rubber grip. Uh it's uh, there's a Kickstarter campaign going on right now for this new hyper 
hub specifically designed for the iPad Pro. But I ended up, I settled hmm. for the for now on the OWC USB-C hub. This is a review unit. They got in touch with me. They I was skeptical of this product, uh, but I actually really like it. Uh, there's two things I don't like. The USB-C cable is too short. And as you can see in one of the pictures, uh, when I use the iPad Pro on the stand with the USB-C hub, it's hanging off the iPad because it cannot sit flat on, on the desk uh, because the cable is too short. And also, it doesn't support USB 3.1 Gen 2, which is 10, gig 10 gigabit per second transfers, but only Gen 1, which is 5. Uh, and also doesn't have, as I mentioned um, a few minutes ago, doesn't have 4K at 60, but only 4K at 30 hertz. Um, but yeah, so uh, it was this kind of long article, longer than I expected, going through this, this idea of how you can extend the iPad Pro using keyboards, using cases, using stands, and mostly using USB-C. Oh, and also there's a final section about using the iPad with an external display with the ultra-fine 4K that I've been talking about. And a bunch of keyboard shortcuts. What USB-C hub are you I'm using the OWC now? one now. Um, okay. That's the one I'm using okay. for now. I, I mentioned in the article, I'm not completely sure this is the thing I'm going to stick with. I have two more yeah. on the way. So the I, I made a pledge for the Hyper Hub on Kickstarter, which uh, should be coming out in January. Coincidentally, though, Satechi, 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 they announced their own USB-C hub this week, and it's shipping this week. I have one on the way, I think, later oh. this week at some point with UPS. Uh, and it's very similar to the Hyper One, kind of similar specs. Doesn't have um, a soft grip for the iPad Pro, so I want to see how well it's going to attach to the side. Uh, but yeah, I want to test this too, and I guess I'll follow up in January. What is that? The Type C USB 3.0 in-one combo no, hub. There's an article on Mac Rumors yesterday. I'm gonna send you a oh my link. God. Okay. Um, Thank you. This. So, just reading your article, and just in general, just ever so slightly looking at this, all of this stuff is so confusing. It's so confusing. What What is confusing for you? Everything about USB C. Okay. Okay. What What do you think is confusing? The fact that like. Oh, well, if you want it to do this, you need this specific one and it's got to support 3.2 yeah. or 3.1. But, oh, but don't worry, don't think about Thunderbolt. Like, it's like all of this stuff. And, like, you are doing a great job of breaking it down. But, like, so the, the confusing part is, like, everything that gets to the conclusions that you get to, right? So, like, the stuff that you're doing is a great service to people like me who don't want to buy 20 hubs. But, like, just reading through everything that you're having to go through. It's a it's a little bit of a, it's a lot of info. Field. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is true. So which one of these, like just on, like having looked at the imagery of this Satechi and the hyper drive, which one do you are you more interested? In? Um, I don't know. They're very similar. I think I'm at this point. I'm more interested in the hyper one because of this patent yeah. pending grip that they have. Uh, all right, let's not uh, go crazy. Uh, like that, that's what they're saying. Um, I mean, I, I want to see. I want to see how it works. Uh, yeah, I think the Satechi one will be fine. I think both products. I have the solo hyperdrive yeah. thing, right? I bought it for my MacBook Pro. It works great. It is 
a little mm. bit looser than I would like. Uh, um, which I get why it what is that way for the um, for the MacBook because of where the USB C yeah. ports are yeah. on the MacBook. Like I'm more, maybe more excited about this one because the USB C port is in the middle, so it will be more balanced. Yeah. Right. Which is I I, I would assume. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to back this too, and I expect they'll probably make their shipping date because they're an existing company that knows how to make products exactly like this one, right? You'd expect, <laughs> you, know, you would think that they might they might know what they're doing. You would hope. Yeah. I don't know, but oh, I guess get in. There's only 16 left of the uh, early bird special, mm. so there we go. I'll get one of those. Yeah, this is a nightmare. This stuff right now. I do have some other questions for you, uh, Federico. Um. The how frequently are you actually using your iPad with the very monitor? frequently? Um, whenever, whenever okay. I want to write for at least a couple of hours, I'm gonna use the monitor. Um, yeah, okay. because it's just it's more comfortable over you know, if I'm writing for like 30 minutes or an hour, uh, I'm gonna use the iPad, but if I know I'm gonna write for like two, three hours, then I'm gonna sit down and use the monitor. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. that makes sense. And you had a picture in your article of you using the Apple Pencil yes. with the with the iPad on the desk. And I wonder how does how does that actually work? How are you do like how are you using that? So with the iPad next to me on the right side of the desk, I it's sort of I, I can just use the pencil to navigate and tap on things. Um so then I don't have to use my fingers because it's it's more like you know this for you know it's easier on my wrist uh, uh to use the pencil and sometimes i have to look down at the screen to make sure i'm tapping the right things but if i'm just scrolling uh i mean it's fine i can just quickly glance at it like if i want to open an article in a list of multiple articles um i can just quickly glance at it and tap it's it's not a big deal really um and it's okay. uh, it's kind of like using I think you use a Wacom tablet as or you used to I don't know um, I do it's it's basically the same idea but the in this case the tablet is also a computer with the screen so uh, it is unfortunate that when you're um, doing mirroring to an external display the iPad's display never turns off because it this is basic mirroring this is not like a Mac that you can put in clamshell mode and have the display be off but video out is going to the monitor it's not like that but it's uh you know i made the best out of a bad situation so i can use the screen of the ipad which is always on as a trackpad uh, to control the ui that i look that i see on the bigger monitor i am greatly enjoying watching you go through all this stuff these articles are really good they're really fun uh Next up uh, will be so I'm not sure because now we're on Mac Stories we're working on all of our end of the year app and game roundups so I don't know if I'm gonna have the time for another smaller article before the end of the year I would like to have one about to explain how I enabled um, I, there's an accessory that I bought that I want to write about to turn the smart keyboard folio into a similar setup to the smart folio so using the ipad in touch mode which the smart keyboard folio doesn't support it's like this kickstand uh that I, i'm gonna write about it um but yeah not 100 percent sure what you mean but let's leave it at that so you, people can wait for your article yes okay. it's a very weird product 
but it works. But yeah, it's fun to, it, it's both fun and a nightmare to go through this stuff. Uh, it took me weeks and I needed to talk to people like Marco uh, and Steve Chan-Smith. I had Steve actually make, uh, send me his, his script, like a, like a Swift, uh, Swift Playground thing that runs code to check the resolution of the external display. Um, yeah, it wasn't, mm. an, it was a whole thing, but um, it's fun to do this research for me. You know, I, I love doing this kind of research and buying things on Amazon and confirming that they work and complaining when they don't work. Uh, it's fun. Also expensive, but it's fun. The worst hobbies you could have. Yeah. Feels like we're done. If you want to find links to the stuff we talked about to this battery that has no name or to KBase article about back to my Mac being dead. You can find all that on the website relay.fm slash connected slash 222. While you're there, you can get in touch. There's an email link in the sidebar. You can send feedback and follow up via email or you can do it over on Twitter. You can find Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike, of course, is the host of a lot of shows here at Relay FM. You can find Federico on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. He's the editor-in-chief at MacStories.net. You can find me there as ISMH, and I, like Mike, host a lot of shows here, and I write 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Luna Display, Squarespace, and Simple Contacts for making the show possible. And until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.